The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Many years ago, uh, I asked our special guest today how you start a ministry to homeless people, and his response was priceless. He said, you get an esky and you put it in the boot of your car. You fill it with food and drink, and you go and find some homeless people. And chances are you are seeing more homeless people lately. Numbers are on the rise. As cost of living pressures have been biting at the heels of families, we're turning our attention today to ways that we can respond to challenges of homelessness. On the front lines of caring for the homeless are some amazing, compassionate and hard-working Christian people who know how to not only ease the pain, but share eternal hope. Well, our special guest today is my longtime friend, John Porter, who runs a ministry called Nightlight in the community of Beanley Logan on the south side of Brisbane. John, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be here. John, let's just uh, go back to it's easily over a decade ago. I asked you that question uh, and your response. It was priceless. I have remembered it all these years and I have told I don't know how many people uh, when we've been talking about homelessness mm. and we think, well, what can what can I do? And it is something that has stuck with me and, and therefore it's it reverberated, I guess, in a lot of conversations over this past 10 years here on Vision 2. So just sowing mm. a little seed with an idea like that. Yeah. But that's a profound idea, but profoundly simple, and it means we're not all uh, just useless and hopeless mm. uh, doing something for the homeless. We can all be involved, can't we? Yes, absolutely. You know, Neil, the gospel is is easy. The gospel is simple. And so is reaching out to people. Uh, that's how we started 20 years ago with a red and white esky. That red and white esky is still sitting in our office because we should never forget where we started and where we come from. And it's about just getting out there and loving on those who are struggling in life. That could be the homeless. That could be people who maybe be our neighbor. We all have at least three or four neighbors, one on either side, one across the road, one over the back fence. And it's just building that connection and just being God's hands, feet, and mouthpiece. I think you need to do something with that esky. It needs to be, you know, it needs to be up on the wall there at your nightlight headquarters now, and yeah. uh, a little plaque on it, uh, perhaps with those words. You know, how do you start a homeless ministry? Yeah. And that esky tells a big story, and so it, it becomes a really a profound part of your own history. Correct. Uh, so you know, it's probably tucked away at a storeroom somewhere, <laughs> but uh, you need to get it out and get it up on the wall. Hey, John, uh, the story of Nightlight, just uh, tackle this for us for a few minutes uh, because I've known you all these years since before Nightlight and yep. and it just so happens that, you know, a, a car breakdown, it wasn't me, it was my brother and sister-in-law, uh, they, uh, they had a breakdown 
uh, around Christmas time, and you just happened to be in the neighbourhood and were able to help <laughs> out with that. And yeah. and and so we said, hey, let's get a, an opportunity to have you come in and tell the nightlight story. So mm. give us a little idea here of what nightlight looks like and something of your history. Okay, so in a nutshell, really short, because we could go on for a long time. God changed my life when I was 27 on Sunday, the 10th of March, 2000, uh, sorry, 1996 at the RNA Showgrounds in Brisbane. He didn't just change my life. He gave me hope and purpose. So, of course, going to church, learning more things, uh, I knew about the Great Commission. How does that look? Pretty scary sometimes, but we need to get out of our comfort zone. So I said, okay, Lord, well, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'm not going to go in my own strength because that's just too hard. So I was praying. I said, Lord, where am I going? What am I doing? And then one morning at 4 a.m., Sunday morning, (laughs) I had a vision. People in these bright colored shirts going into dark places physically and dark places spiritually. And the Lord gave me the name Nightlight. Because when you're in a dark place, you can't find your way out. You need somebody to go in to shine a light. And his light, Jesus' light, shines the brightest in the darkest places. So he calls us to be courageous. He calls us to be strong. And so when we're led by Holy Spirit, that's when we know that he's going before us to prepare the way. So I said, okay, Lord, what does night light look for? (laughs) What does it look like? Am I standing on a street corner shaking a billboard saying Jesus loves you? If that's the case, then I'll do that. However, the Lord put on my heart to put two red and white eskies in the back of the um, of the Ford Laser at 515,000 kilometers on the clock. We went out looking for people who were struggling. And, you know, I don't know if William Giles is listening today, but William Giles was the very first man I met sleeping under a hedge. And I saw this silhouette and I went over and met him and we cried together. And we're still now good friends on Facebook. He's walking with the Lord, you know. And over the years, uh, I've been plotting progress at different points. Mm. And uh, there's been a number of intersections. And uh, the growth from the the red and white esky (laughs) in the back of the Ford Laser. Yeah. uh, Well, I was so surprised uh, when you gave me the 50 cent cooks tour through (laughs) the facility just uh, just at the new year. Yeah. Uh, These days, uh, give Mm. us an impression about the facility now, what it looks like for listeners. Okay. First of all, we don't ask for money, God's our provider. But when God sees our heart to serve our community and however that looks, God goes, I'll look after you. So we were operating out of our double garage for quite a while. And I said, Lord, this is not real professional. When people drop off a bag of clothes (laughs) to our front door, it's not good, Lord. So I said, we're going to wait upon you. And then our local counselor said, I think I have a place for you. And I said, okay. So it's a two-story building, fully air-conditioned, in a secured area, uh, in a commercial area. Um. It has toilets, showers, it has um, a pool table room for those who are coming out of whatever the situation is. I can take men in there, have a can of Coke and a game of pool and a conversation. So um, we also have a little meeting area, we have a kitchen area. We all, uh, As of two days' time, we'll be having a brand new uh, washing machine and dryer. For those who are sleeping in their cars, they can come in and uh, have a meal, have a shower and get their clothes washed. 
So, but our big point is that's great for people to come, but we need to once again go. So on a Thursday night, every Thursday night at the Beanley train station from 6pm to whatever time it finishes, uh, we have a big community event there where we have we, we collect trays of hot food from some uh, clubs, restaurants, and we cook up a barbecue and uh, we serve our community. And um, pre-COVID, we're getting about 250 to 300. Uh, last Thursday night, probably would have been close to two to 220 people. Um, a lot of them come up to me and say, Pastor Johnny, this is our church. We give out the word for the day and we don't just give it out to them. We show them how to read it. We explain to them how to read it because that's important. So, Handing out the word for today. Now, a lot of listeners will be familiar with that. Mm. It's the daily devotional that yeah. we're always talking about here at Vision. It basically mm. emanates from Vision. So. When you say we're teaching people how to read it, these are people who are not church people necessarily. Yep. They're they're coming to you because they're in a point of need and uh, they can smell that hot food <laughs> from a little bit of a distance and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, you're putting a word for the day in their hands, telling them how to read it. How do you do that? Well, we, we, we've built a relationship obviously over time. And so I'll come up to them and say, hi, oh, Neil, how are you going today? Listen, we've got the word for today because they know every three months. And I come up and I say, hey, look, would you like one of these? And sometimes if they're first time, I'll open it up to today's date. I will show them the half page to read and explain to them to read it because that's how God sees you. And so then we show them and then they normally walk away reading that and then they know from that point on how to do it each, you know, because otherwise people might think, oh, it's just a book. A wonderful resource then for homeless people. Mm. Let me ask you, John, uh, when we talk about homelessness rising, I know that the statistics from that were released last year in the ABS census were showing a rise in homelessness around Australia. Yep. And I've been hearing anecdotally from a number of sources just how significant things are now. People who are even within our own ministry building here saying, I live near a park and uh, there are four cars that are in there. People yep. are camping out in their parks. Uh, yep. Thoughts here about the rise of, of homelessness? What are you hearing around your community? It's exactly as people hear it. It's not about them being drug addicts or alcoholics. It's about the rents being too high. And then, of course, if somebody loses their job or somebody gets sick, um, and unfortunately, there is people out there who take advantage of those situations. So we have a particular park down in the Beanley area that we have probably between 20 to 30 car loads of families and individuals each and every night. So that's just one park. And you get around and talk to these people. Uh, it's one thing to think of uh, stopping the van and doing a handout, but uh, you and your team, I know you take time, uh, you're drawing alongside, uh, you're having a conversation with them, you're leading them into a faith conversation often. Um, are people appreciative of the fact that somebody cares and is actually interested not just to hand out something, but actually talk? Absolutely. That's where the rubber meets the road is the conversation. Sometimes as Christians, we get this... <clears throat> Preconception, I need to go and give the good news of the gospel. Yes, but you need to love them first. Mm. We need to understand that they are people who have issues and problems. And in their mind, Jesus is not the answer. Because if we walk up and say, Neil, all you need is Jesus, straight away, you're going to go, oh, this is a religious nut. But if I come up and say, hi, how are you going? I'm Johnny from Nightlight. How are you going? 
It opens up a conversation for you to be able to pour your heart out. I've got this problem with my family. I've got this problem with my partner. I've got this problem with my kids. And we listen to them. And then Holy Spirit will prompt you. There's a topic that you can ask to pray for them. And so then that way they feel love physically, mentally, and then you can open up the spiritual side of things. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. 1-800-316-316. You might have your own perception of what's going on, the evidence you're seeing with your own eyes. Whether you're in a city or whether you're in a country town, uh, love to hear from you. What's happening to the homeless? Uh, what are you seeing as you drive past some of those parks? What about some of those tucked out of the way areas people are trying to find somewhere where they can park their car or pitch a tent because they don't have a home that they can have a roof over their head. So one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. John Porter's our guest. We're talking about homelessness. And uh, John, if we're talking homelessness and being a Christian and you know serving people's needs but also having opportunity to share some eternal hope, mm. uh, how do you start to talk about those sorts of things? What's powerful in the way that there is a Christian expression here? Well, first of all, of course, we always pray <clears throat> because we need a lot of good ideas, but it's got to be a God idea. So we need to be led by Holy Spirit where to go, what to do. And uh, the Lord... Have, has asked us to go and look after them physically. You know, cold night, warm socks, jackets, beanies, whatever it is. But then we need to just say, hey, is there something I can do for you tonight? And a lot of the time they'll say whatever it might be, and then you just listen to them, have a conversation with them. Whilst you're letting them talk, Holy Spirit will say, there's a topic to pray about. And it could be whatever it is. And you say, would you mind... If I pray for you now in 20 years, I've only ever had one person say, no, you're not going to pray for me. <laughs> and then about two minutes later, he asked me to pray for him. <laughs> okay. So one knockback in 20 years mm. when you've said, can I pray for the needs? And yep. These are the needs you courteously asked about. Yes. And they shared those with you. And then you said, can mm. I pray for them? Mm. And because you were there and uh, they recognized that, yeah. you know, even in your nightlight logo, you've got a cross there in the T section. Yep. Uh, so they know that you're Christian. So they, there's no one knocking you back here. They all are very graciously receptive of prayer. Yes, correct. Of course, you always get people who want to, uh, uh, who want to sort of bag you out, et cetera, like that. But nine times out of 10, they're not people who are actually in need. They're just people who just think they've got a, a better agenda and how dare we bring the gospel. Well, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to bring the gospel whether people like it or not. But in regards to people who are homeless and in their cars, they need hope because it's not here in the world. And I guess over 20 years, uh, while you're going to have lots of stories of people who either moved on and they were mm. out of your uh, opportunity to influence, mm. uh, or they recovered and got somewhere to live. Uh, I think you you know have some processes too, where you're helping mm. people find some place where they can stay. Uh, you've got all sorts of referrals that no doubt you do, but there'd be some good stories along with the bad. Oh, absolutely. They're not all good, but yep, there's quite a more good than what there is bad. We I had uh, the privilege to meet a lady about six weeks ago, and um, she was getting off at the train coming home from work, 
and her car was parked over in the car park where we do our uh, community event. And she asked one of our volunteers, I want to I talk to whoever's in charge. So they called me over. And uh, she said, I just want to testify. And I said, okay. She said, I walked to my car about a year ago off the Beanley train station. And she said, I saw all you people doing something serving or doing something i wasn't too sure what it was so i wanted to hang around out the back to see what was going on and she said i heard the gospel for the first time about that jesus loves me no matter what i've done wrong and she said i quickly went and got in my car and i left and she said a week later something told me i need to start reading the bible now she said i wasn't a christian then so I went and bought myself a Bible and started reading it. She said, now I'm a born-again Christian going to church. And I wanted to come back and tell you to continue to do what you do. Because she said, I wasn't expecting to get that. I just saw these people doing this stuff. And I hung around and God made the difference. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so even an exposure to mm. the thought that someone is having a negative feeling about hearing yep. the gospel preached not even necessarily uh, <laughs> listening to every word to find yeah. something to argue with, but yeah. just saying, just dismissing you, mm. driving off. But the Holy Spirit has a way of even taking the presence. Now, no one ever talks about this. <laughs> the presence of the preacher actually is powerful, yeah. and yeah. the Holy Spirit is at work mm. in the lives of people. Hey, look, we're going to take some calls, and uh, there's quite a few calls coming through. Let's take uh, these calls and uh, let's hear from communities uh, just how things are looking. Let's first of all talk uh, with Bob, who actually is in your neck of the woods, Eagleby in Queensland. Hi, Bob. Welcome. There you go. Good. Bob, what are your impressions about homelessness in your community? Well, first thing I've got to tell you is I'm not a Christian, but I like to help. Uh, I would like to say that all of the councils need a boot fair in the rear end because they harass the poor guys that are homeless, they move them on, they make it very difficult for people to help them out in any shape or form. No offence to my local councillor, she's a lovely lady, is our Karen Murphy. Uh, she does her best to try and help people. And... Um, I think it's just despicable the way people are being treated. Bob, uh, interesting perspective there. And local councils uh, in the firing line from Bob, who's listening in, he's not even a Christian. Um, thoughts about councils? Are they, are they doing the right things? I mean, they're obviously trying to uh, protect their ward or uh, the areas, those local councillors. They don't want to have an impression that we've got a, an overrunning uh, you know, homelessness problem here. Uh, they're moving people on. Very disrespectful. What are your thoughts here, John? Yeah, look, um, our local councillor there, um, she is an amazing lady. Um, however, she still needs to obviously uh, adhere to the laws and rules of the council. And um, I, I agree with Bob. Uh, sometimes the council rangers get a bit heavy-handed and ask people to move on. But where do they move on to? That's the thing. Where to? Do councils need to have, do you think, a designated area where people can camp park uh, while they're getting on their feet and finding a new direction? It could be an answer, but I think it could also be an issue. Um, I heard that uh, the local mayor in Brisbane um, have showed some compassion uh, a couple of days ago 
where the people who are living in Musgrove Park, they are not going to move them on because there is nowhere to go. And that's that's the reality. And homeless people, and uh, there's going to be different ones who do network together, almost like an, an underground network of homelessness. Um, but there are some who are going to be quite reluctant to go and live near other homeless people because there's a perception that, you know, if you're vulnerable, uh, there's others might well take advantage of you. And so you've got this... Homeless people are concerned about homeless people too, so they're not mm. all necessarily going to want to congregate in one area. That's exactly true. Yep. one eight hundred three sixteen. I want to thank Bob for his call. We could take calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call from Mel, who is in Queensland. Hi, Mel. Welcome. Yes. Good morning. I've got two points to raise. There's many churches in the US who run uh, job clubs for the community. And I see very little of this in Australia. But I think that we need to be focusing more on some of the long-term issues, which is getting people back into work. And there's certainly manual work. There's work out there that doesn't need a lot of experience. That if people were involved in some job clubs set up by churches, that can just give people the skills and, and, and a few pointers about how to get back into the rhythms of work. And the second point is that I find that's not often covered in Australian churches, but again, I'm seeing this in the US, is that churches also need to equip uh, their ministers and, and pastors and whatnot to, to be talking about and teaching about deliverance because a lot of these problems are generational. Um, I've, I've helped out in the community here and overseas for many, many years, and I see generational issues of poverty, um, addictions and so forth. And unless you pray into and cutting off those generational issues and curses, the problem keeps coming up and coming up again and people don't have the freedom to move on. So that's two points I wanted to Mel, make. two very strong points. Uh, what churches do to equip people who are in need, vulnerable people, perhaps it's the homeless, uh, to move into jobs, uh, even... Uh, job training, job ways of uh, becoming equipped and able to take on certain levels of employment. And the other one, uh, you know, generational issues and breaking that cycle. John, your thoughts for Mel? Yeah, thanks, Mel. It's, um, it is a very, very uh, important thing, as you say, generational curses, because it's, the, um, it's just continually leading on. And we deal with a lot of people who are in that uh, situation. Um, and, you know, it is a long journey. Um, it is something that um, through building relationships, because they have to um, obviously decide to repent and uh, decide to take that that uh, choice of following Jesus. So, But it is a very, very strong point that you make. Uh, interestingly, and uh, we're just about to go to news, but uh, Mel, I want to thank you for your call. Uh, when someone does come to Christ, mm. we've got a breaking of the cycle uh, mm. because you are in got an invitation of the presence of God to come into a life and transform that life. And that can be transformed from 
the destitution and the poverty and perhaps some of those things that are generational and there's a starting point and there might be all sorts of other ministry required on that but uh, certainly uh, on the practical aspects too of equipping and training thank you so much Mel take those points and uh, other listeners may be taking those points on board in fact before we go any further John I've got one of your workers who works with you and his name is Paul Paul welcome along to 2020 uh, welcome, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Paul. So you work with John Porter, and uh, you've had I about sure, a, sure do. three or four years, I think, the connection has been. Uh, give us your connection point here, Paul. Where did you start to... Where did you, when did you meet John, and what was, what was the state of your life at the time? Okay. I was actually a Christian when I met John. I actually come down to a dinner one night, I heard about Nightlight in Beanley. They're doing a really good job, so I just went down and checked it out. And John just said, uh, just stick in the background and that sort of stuff. So I did that for a while. I come back the following week again, did the, did the same thing again. And then I come, I come back the third, the third time, and John said, would you like to join the team? And I did. So I signed up, I signed up with Nightlight, and I've been there with John for about probably four or five years now, coming up probably six years. With John, John, what are your recollections of Paul coming on board? It's exactly right, Paulie. You know, um, we're always forever needing um, people who are available. God's not looking for our ability; He's looking for our availability. And Paul came down, and he was um, he was just seeking to belong somewhere to do something. And he shared that he was um, he was going to church, that he had faith in Jesus, and um, you know, so he he just stepped up into the uh, into the the spot, and and uh, he's an important part of the team, and he he serves some of the best coffee <laughs> and cordials, <laughs> etc. And uh, we really appreciate him just um, being the hands and the feet of Jesus. So special honour to you, Paul. Uh, you were going through a pretty tough time, though, weren't you, when you connected with John? I was. Yes, I uh, recently left my mum. At the, at the time, I connected with John and that sort of stuff, and John John helped me out with that as well. So, you know, you're struck by grief, and uh, that causes all sorts of strange things sometimes to be happening too in your life. It sure does, yes. And John helped me through that as well. He was, he was, he was really there when I needed him. I could ring him any time I wanted to, at like, say, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He would, he would answer me and that sort of stuff, he would, or he would come over and that sort of stuff as well. What sort of a role are you playing now, Paul? Uh, you know, do you you know you're helping out on the uh, the outreaches on a Thursday night and uh, hundreds of people there. Uh, is it, what's you making coffees and things like that? Uh, are you taking opportunity like like John does to to talk to those people who are homeless? Uh, yes, at the moment, my uh, recently stepped out of my role making coffee and that sort of stuff. I'm getting out more more and talking to people as well about about Jesus and that sort of stuff. But I'm seeing a lot of homeless people around Beanley, especially especially sleeping in their cars and doing it really rough as well. When you work with the homeless, you notice these things a whole lot more than perhaps someone who is not in that sort of uh, zone. Uh, come back to you, John Porter. Do you find that there are people that you talk to who are not noticing a homeless problem on the rise? All the time. Because, see, Neil, we get very busy. We get up in the morning, we have our breakfast, 
we pray if we're Christians, we go to work, we come home, we have dinner, we go to bed. And the weekends, we're busy making sure that our lives are happy. And it's we get so busy, we don't stop and look for those who are not doing as well as what we are. And that's the one thing Christianity is different to every other religion, is Christianity says, if you're doing well, that's great, but don't forget the ones who aren't. Don't forget the ones who are not doing so well. Mm. And uh, I know that there'll be listeners thinking, yes, I can see now in my community that there are people who, and and there's this assumption, isn't there, that someone's looking after their needs. Mm. You drive past someone who is living out of their car or in a tent in the park, Mm. you assume that there's someone like a John Porter who's coming by every now and then and uh, helping out with some of those needs. That's Mm. not always the case. No. Uh, some communities don't have uh, someone like you in a nightlight. And so, mm. therefore, you know, if you notice these things, maybe there's a little bit of a prompting to the individual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you see these things, don't just walk past. You can stand at a bit of a distance if you're concerned. Um, and a lot of the time, they'll just be laying there or sitting there. If you see it and you're led by the Holy Spirit, hi, how are you today? That's how you start a conversation. It's as easy as that. I want to thank Paul for calling through, uh, working with John Porter at Nightlight. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. What are your thoughts about the homeless? And uh, not to the big scale or the expectation that government's going to throw more millions or billions at homelessness because somehow or other it gets absorbed into a bureaucracy. But those face-to-face, personal contact meetings that you might have with a homeless person in your own community, uh, welcome to call in 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let me ask you about uh, the ordinary person who's not very aware of homelessness, They're walking past that person who's you know got a tent set up on the side of the footpath. Mm. Um, the thought, The first thought is, I can open my wallet and give a few dollars. Is that always the wise thing? No, definitely not. The um, a lot of those who um, have addictions, that's what they will ask you for. The best thing to do is um, if there's a tent, don't just walk up and <laughs> open up the tent. Just pretend it's somebody's house because it is. And you say, hi, anybody home? And then they will, who is it? What's going on? Hi, I'd just like to know that you're okay. Is there something I can get you? Can I get you a coffee? Can I get you a meat pie? That will make their day to know that somebody has taken the time to care. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Helen is in Tasmania. Hi, Helen. Welcome. Hi. Thanks, Neil, for that. Look, this is a very deep, very, very deep issue. The issues they are indeed on this. Now, what I wanted to mention here is there are some areas in Tasmania, you were speaking about country before, now where they're letting people live in some tents and some caravans. As you say, pending on councils and all that sort of thing, taken on board. But also, when I saw the Jesus Revolution movie three times, Neil, it's an (laughs) eye-opener as to letting people from all backgrounds come into churches 
do not judge them. You have to have it, the Holy Spirit 100% present. I've been in a homeless situation myself, Neil, and my husband's a return serviceman. Wow. So I've actually been there personally. You've been there and uh, you were homeless yourself, Helen, and you've experienced, That's did correct. you have it? So you had a good experience with church? Or did you have a bad experience with church? Um, no, I had some, although I'm a long, t- long time, you know, born-again Christian, no, I had some negative experiences there. My word, I did, Neil. Mm-hmm. Let me ask John, uh, while we've got you here, because oftentimes mm-hmm. uh, suburban communities, a comfortable middle-class church, uh, where yes. everyone seems to be getting on and uh, looking to mm. you know, make friends with middle-class people or doing middle-class things, um, sometimes there's a confronting way uh, when you've got someone homeless or someone who's mm. obviously looking poor or going through some real challenges. Mm. What are your thoughts here, John, about uh, you know the fact that we sometimes get very comfortable with our middle classedness? Mm. Thanks for calling in, Helen. Um, mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Look, it, it it is such a um, an important thing that we meet people where they're at, and I'm I'm so sorry that you've had um, bad experience mm. with church. It's Unfortunately, you know, we need to put our opinions and our perspectives away and think, how can I love on Helen and her husband? How can I help? Because so many Christians, we say, well, we are the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus. It's easy to say the mm. words, but it's not easy to step up to the plate. And so that's why the, why the word mm. says to go the extra mile, you know? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that that you haven't given up your faith because of that situation. Oh, no, no. And Helen... Fact, if anything, it's made me want to reach out more and more, even yeah, though I don't have good health. Helen, you're, mm. you're, you're, I guess you're a part of a church there in Tasmania. Uh, is there... I mean, here we are. I mean, how's the timeliness for this conversation when uh, perhaps the worst cold snap so far of the year has just hit overnight and all of a sudden we become aware that there are people out on the street and maybe some of them need a blanket? Mm. Uh, in your own church now, Helen, are you agitating for a little bit extra attention in this area? Is your church uh, Oh, definitely. Open? Yep. I think in all churches, um, Neil, really, um, I think this needs to happen. Like a lady made a comment earlier that certain things were happening in America, which, for instance, weren't happening in Australia. But we really need a lot more prayer, a lot more, what's the word, of people joining together and really being mm. the feet and hands of Jesus. My poor husband, gosh, if you'd seen what he's been through, Neil, massive brain hemorrhage at a young age from Vietnam. He's never said, why me? He goes out humbly and he preaches beautifully with the Wonderful. Holy Spirit. Well, I'm humbled mm. to hear that, Helen, and a special honour to you and your mm. husband. Thank you so much for calling in and let's move on to another call but Helen in Tasmania just wonderful to have taken your call today let's take another call Richard is in Alstonville in New South Wales hi Richard welcome uh, g'day um, I'm just ringing in to ask I think it was John how do you approach it um, with, with society today and you know you, you've had somebody that um, may have may have committed a criminal act or um, <laughs> yeah. may have decided, may let's, have, um, let's broaden this uh, right across the line. Uh, not everyone on the street is coming from a nice background. 
some people are coming from uh, different religious backgrounds. Some are coming from different sexualities than what mm. oftentimes we think are right in church. I suspect what Richard is saying here about uh, you know people with a criminal background, how does that all work with your local church? What are your thoughts here for Richard? Yeah, so Richard, you know, Revelation twelve eleven talks about testifying to um to God. Um <clears throat> God meets people where, where they're at. And the first thing you've got to do is bring anything that is hidden into the light. Because then it's exposed and then God can then work on those. So a lot of the time when I'm interacting with somebody, um, I don't ask them, do they have criminal record? I don't ask them any of that. That will come up through building relationships. However, in saying that, I've been confronted by uh, quite a few occasions with people who are of the same sex, uh, marriage or relationships, and they automatically say that I condemn them and run them down. And I say, no, I don't. However, I'm here to love you and tell you the truth. You want to know the truth? You need to seek the man who is the truth, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's one of those things when they ask the question, you need to to re- to respond with what the Word of God says and not our opinions. So, in regards to people, how do you interact with them uh, if they've got a criminal record? Um, once again, we listen, we pray. Um, I have gone into the local uh, police station with people who admitted to me about some of their criminal activities and I've asked them, do they want to own that? And I've walked in there with them and nine times out of ten, it's not something that they actually thought. They thought that they'd committed a crime, but then the truth came about and they were set free. Richard... Uh, anything further to add to what you were talking? I guess I'm. I guess I'm going a bit a bit deeper there as well because the Bible talks about. I think. I think was it um, uh, John or was it Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where it talks about the, the alien and it you know talks about certain sins in the Bible and it, it, you know the Bible says look after the alien or the or the homeless or the widow or whatever and. Like I understand the Bible from being um, in, in, you know, I think it's in Second Timothy where it talks about the only unpardonable sin is to deny God. But uh, how would you approach somebody? Because you know, in, in society, it's a certain sins they should be cut off. You know, they should they should be separated and stuff. You know, and like I've been a Christian for years myself, but I've always tried to approach it that way with people like oh, I don't have the right to judge people yes yes we need to use judgment in situations but um, you know there's, there's certain people that are homeless because society thinks they deserve to be homeless I guess that's where I'm coming from okay Richard let me just bring in here what I often will say about two speeds and uh, you ought to expect that the leaders in the church will stand for biblical truth They'll preach biblical truth. They'll encourage people to have an aspiration towards those biblical standards. Uh, But there's another speed that happens in church life if you're not the ordained leader who's in charge of defending the truth. And that is for every other single person who sits in that congregation uh, to be welcoming and to be embracing of people who are not quite like ourselves 
because if they don't have that interaction, if they don't have that relational connection, then there can be no way that you can lead someone into Mm. a relational connection. Just as John Porter says, let me introduce you to the one who is the truth, Mm. and that is Jesus Christ. So when I say two speeds, don't expect that the leaders and the ordained people who are defending truth uh, to come down and and muddy the waters. Uh, but those mm. who are in the congregation, you have an opportunity uh, to be embracing in everyone you can without discrimination. Uh, John, anything further to add to that thought? Uh, Richard, you, you, you commented that... Uh that a lot of people feel that they should be homeless because of whatever it might be in in a family situation, whatever it might be. Um, I don't believe anybody should be homeless. Um, and we all have sin, but we just need to understand that Jesus died for our sin and we need to repent of it. That's the first starting area. So... Uh, Richard in Alstonville in New South Wales, thank you so much for calling through. We'll put a line under any other calls for now. Uh, Just a few minutes remaining for our conversation, John. Uh, Coming back to testimonies, Mm. uh, the testimonies that you might share on Mm. the street, uh, the Mm. stories that you hear of people who've come through a difficult time and maybe gotten back on their feet. The way we talk about those things, whether we've come from a place that's been hard and we've seen things through because the presence of God has change the way we are and we're on a new trajectory. How do you see uh, those sorts of testimonies? We were talking a little bit about Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, one of mm. your favorite scriptures about mm. testimony. Yeah. Uh, give us your thoughts here about the, the power of that testimony because Jesus is at the center of that testimony. Yeah, uh, God's word never returns void. And when things aren't really add up, adding up in your head, and things are coming against you, just stand on the promises of God. Uh, another one that the Lord's brought to me to share is about four weeks ago. And uh, where we do our community event, it's in this like a, a car park that's a little bit little bit lower with big walls around and there's some set of stairs that go up to the top. And of course, I give a gospel message for 25 to 10 minutes. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. God puts it on my heart. Sometimes he's very good to me and... <laughs> Well, he's always good to me, but but uh, but sometimes he, he leaves the message till eleven fifty nine and till the very last minute. But that's what call is called trust. I don't want the message to be from John. I don't want the message to be from my opinions or my understanding. I want it to be from the Holy Spirit. So I was sharing this message, and I was focusing on what the Lord's asking me to share. But I heard somebody at the top of these stairs, yelling something out. I don't know what it was. All I heard was some yelling and stuff. But I focused on what God had me sharing with these couple of hundred people. And then we we said grace, and then the team started to serve. And it was about probably half hour, 40 minutes later, this lady come up to me. She said, hi, could I just shake your hand and give you a hug? And I said, yeah. And she said, I, I want to apologize. I said, what for? She said, well, when you were sharing, I stood at the top of the stairs and told you to be quiet in a not-so-nice way and, t- and said that you were lying, etc., etc. And she said, I came down very agitated and very angry and somebody who was in your bright shirt came up and hugged me and told me about Jesus and I understood how wrong and how deceived I was. And so I said sorry to them and sorry to God and repented and I want to come up and apologize to you personally. Wow. That is nothing that we can do. 
that is all God, because God met her where she's at. And you know, when you step out by faith, God steps in, but he wants us to be obedient and go out. Well, it is just a breath of fresh air always talking to you, John, because you just put our feet back on the ground. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, if you want to be loved and appreciated, uh, it might be a good place to start in a place where you are actually quite vulnerable, where Mm. someone might be yelling abuse at you, Mm. uh, but you're there doing something because you feel a prompting from God to do Mm. something which will be a help to a homeless person. Uh, whatever you can contribute. And I would imagine, and you you can let me know here, uh, who are your volunteers? Are they wealthy people from the community who want to do something nice? Or are they from the lower socioeconomic uh, area of the community who really realise what people need when they are homeless? Who's Mm. coming to, who's who's putting their hand up? So uh, there'd probably be four or five of our volunteers who work, um, but they're um, Christian-minded, and they want to step in and step out. Then we have uh, probably five to ten other volunteers are either on the pension or unemployed. Um, if we have anybody who's very wealthy, I don't know about it, okay. <laughs> which is fine. Um, and then on the Thursday night when we're down the train station, we have quite a few people from the community who just step up and say, could I serve tonight? That's fine. We put a volunteer jersey uh, um, jersey on them and, and they step in line and they serve um, it's about connecting the community to God and I guess it's not coming down on the wealthy uh, to no. appreciate that they're not necessarily on the front line doing the serving mm. because they may be the ones who are kicking in the thousands the ten thousands That's even correct. the hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. uh, that will be needed uh, to help organisations like yours uh, remain buoyant and be mm. effective in the community that you're serving. So uh, an inspiration today for listeners and for those who are listening, and John's a part of what you'd call, I guess you'd call it a smaller organisation compared to, you know, if we were talking about the Salvation Army, well, that's mm. a huge organisation or mm. Mission Australia and uh, other organisations that are dealing with homelessness. Mm. Uh, you're in a local organisation. No doubt you're relying on people who give donations of clothing, of food, uh, of money for all sorts of needs. And I want to point people to your website so they can connect with you, but with a specific purpose in mind too, that uh, if you're someone saying, well, what a great conversation hearing from John Porter, that red and white esky tells a big story. And it's like every one of us can do something here. Mm. How do I take the next step? And I know that John is open to sharing his insights with anyone who wants to call through uh, and uh, be a part of uh, what he's doing in the sense of uh, he's offering advice on how you take a next step and build something a little more significant that meets the needs in your community. Here's the website, nightlight.org.au, nightlight.org.au. John Porter is our guest. You can also connect with John at Nightlight on Facebook as well, but nightlight.org.au is their website. John Porter, thank you so much for coming in, sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.